Well, go on, Nancy. Tell us your big news. Oh, yeah. well, I bet it's a new job, isn't it? Uh, you're moving away, oh, huh? I think she's lost weight. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, 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 it's none of that. I, well, Mike and I just wanted to let you all know that we're expecting. Hey! It is so exciting when you or someone you know shares good news like that. And most would-be moms would celebrate in that kind of a moment. But what if the incredible joy that was expected was going to be tarnished by feelings of guilt or shame from the past? This is Focus on the Family with Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Uh, John, today we're going to hear from a woman who uh, was not beyond God's reach. What I love about God's goodness and grace is that not one of us is beyond his reach. Mm -hmm. And uh, I want to turn to you right now, and if you've had things in your past that have brought you down or that you struggle with, you need to listen to today's program because we have a woman who was brokenhearted and the Lord restored her after a real prodigal journey. Our guest is Jennifer Palomino. She's an author, health fitness instructor, and mother of two. Jennifer, welcome to Focus on the Family. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Now, with that uh, opening there, this was an interesting moment in your life when you found out you were pregnant, but it brought up some amazing uh, emotions for you. Go back for us and tell us uh, what started uh, your journey in a wrong direction. Well, my childhood was great, but then when I was 12 is when everything changed. And I was with my older sister, and she had gotten into the wrong crowd, and she was 15 then. And I went with her with a group of boys into this apartment, and she was hanging out. She was dating one of the guys. And she left with the boy, and she left me with these five guys in this apartment. And they were all smoking pot, and they were drinking, and... um they asked me to go try on a pair of jeans in the back bedroom. Now, there was no electricity. They couldn't pay their bills. There was no furniture. It was just this empty apartment. And I was a scared little 12-year-old girl, and I went in the back room, and I thought, do I try them on? Do I not? What do I do? You know. So I pretended like I tried them on real quick. And when I came out of the bathroom, the boys threw me on the bed. There was a bed in there. And then the one boy um, that my sister had been dating came in and he said, no, leave her alone. She's 12 years old. Get off of her. So he really pulled me out of there and mm -hmm. saved me. Yeah. So That, but, though, uh, really changed your outlook about mm -hmm. uh, men. Uh, here you are in a Christian home. Mm -hmm. This was probably terrifying for you. It was. How did you process those next few hours and days and what happened? Did you share this with anybody? You know, I didn't because... I didn't want to get my sister in trouble. So I didn't say anything. And I just bottled it up and thought, well, it happened and, you know, life goes on type of thing. Mm -hmm. Jennifer, uh, when something like this happens to mm -hmm. a person, it can be either a girl or a boy. But mm -hmm. when this kind of exploitation occurs, this kind of abuse, mm -hmm. it can steer you in a direction emotionally that is hard to recover from. Is that what happened in your case? It really did. And Unfortunately, I didn't realize it. Being 12 years old, I just thought, okay, well, you know, bad things happen, and I don't want to get my sister in trouble. That was mm. the big thing. So I just didn't tell anybody. But I, then I went on to really, I guess, bottle up those feelings, and I started looking for boyfriend and stuff. And so when I was 15, I started dating this older guy. He was 18 on his way to college. And we dated a little bit, but it was always about partying and going out and he would get me drunk and then wound up I got date raped. So 
It was really difficult. And again, I didn't tell anybody because I was mm -hmm. so ashamed. You feel like it's your fault, especially mm -hmm. when you're dating the person. In that context, mm -hmm. uh, the question in many people's minds listening to your story mm -hmm. would have to be your mom and dad. How were they engaged or disengaged <sighs> at this point? I mean, you're 15 dating right. an 18-year-old boy. As a father, I, I would try to be really uh, yeah. managing that. Well, mm -hmm. unfortunately, they didn't even know who I was dating. My mom wound up having four more children after the first three, so she had seven. So I think they were so busy, number one. Number two, they trusted me. And mm -hmm. when I said I was with my girlfriends, they thought that's where I was. But of course, I was lying and mm -hmm. I was out with my boyfriend or drinking mm -hmm. or something else. So unfortunately, they trusted me and I broke that trust. You mm -hmm. know, uh, Jennifer, when you look at that situation, mm -hmm. being that 12-year-old little girl and having perhaps that normal development occur where you wouldn't have the self-esteem issues that would mm -hmm. develop from that. Do you look at that and say you were seeking an affirmation from a male? Is that why then all this began to unravel for you in your teen years? You were seeking yeah. male affirmation? I believe I was. I really do. I believe that when I was 12, that really changed my whole outlook. So then I think I realized that men really wanted one thing. Mm. That was definitely a changing point in my life is when that happened to me with those four boys. But then after that, I really did seek that affirmation. And then I started ninth grade, went to high school, and met, I thought, the love of my life. Mm. So we dated this guy for over a year, and then I became pregnant. And I didn't want to tell anybody. Again, I was like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to mm. do? Now, growing up in a Christian home, I knew that abortion was wrong. My sister had just had her baby. But I saw what it did to my family, too. And they supported her 100%. My parents did, and financially and everything. But I saw how hard it was, too, on them. Even in the church, people looking at the Christian family, and, you know, there's the teenage girl who got pregnant. And so I think, you know, 30-something years ago, it was still a little different. People weren't as accepting. Mm. So I didn't want to embarrass them, I think, again, too. So what happened? What steps did so, you take? Well, my boyfriend and, and his older sister really pushed me to get the abortion. And I fought it for months, and I didn't do it till I was four and a half months along. Mm. They finally convinced me, and I got on a plane. I flew to Honolulu. My parents never knew I cut school that day. And I went to the clinic, and I had the abortion done. And the whole time I cried, and I thought, oh, if I just had somebody, if somebody had been there to say, don't do it, I probably wouldn't have. So. Mm -hmm. But there was no, nobody. No. No, there was nobody there. So I got back on the plane, came home. My parents never knew a thing, never knew I cut school or been off the island, for that matter. Mm. And I just hid it. Nobody knew. Nobody knew except for, you know, my boyfriend and his sister. But um, Jennifer, I mean, that pain is still so raw yeah. <laughs> for you. And I think most women and men uh, who go through something like that, they can feel that ache in your heart yeah. with the decision that you made. If you could roll that clock back, what do you wish you would have heard somebody say? Oh, wow. Well, if one person would have said, hey, you don't have to do this, I can help you, or, um, you know, you can put your baby up for adoption or something instead, mm -hmm. that would have been great. But unfortunately, I wasn't around that kind of a group of teenagers or friends or, or people at that point. Mm -hmm. And I had really shut my parents out because I didn't want to embarrass them for what I've done 
you know, in the past. Mm. So, so I couldn't go to them either. The thought of suicide, did you ever think of taking your life? Was that yes. because, again, everything emotionally is imploding on you. You can't mm-hmm. live up to the standard that your mom and dad were raising you by. I'm sure you felt yeah. enormous guilt. How did you manage that? Did you have feelings of maybe getting out of this life? Oh, definitely. I did. When I was actually, it was a few months after the abortion. So I'll take mm-hmm. you back to when I was probably 16, maybe 17. In Hawaii, the subdivisions are pretty spread out, but they were building a new subdivision down our road. And I walked down there with a little razor blade, and I thought, okay, this is mm-hmm. it. I can't take this anymore. And I started scratching my wrists and stuff, but I couldn't do it because my father had taught me that if you take your life, you'll go to hell. I thought, okay, if I die, I'm going to go to hell, and I don't want to burn in hell. So that was really what saved my life because I was so scared of that. Mm. So my twisted you know, mentality actually saved my life. And you're 16 at this point, 17? I was 16. 16. Yes, 16 years old. And now you're bottled up. I mean, now yeah. you have all these secrets, Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Which, again, I think as you begin to think of someday being married, this begins to play into the long-term issues that you face over the next 10, 15 years, right? Definitely. Tell us about those emotions, not sharing what happened at 12, the date rape, and then the situation of having an abortion. That had to be imploding in on you because you knew what was right as a Christian, being raised in a Christian home. Exactly. How did you process all this? Not in a good way, unfortunately. Instead, I just continued down that spiral path and just got farther and farther away from God. And I wound up um, just dating different guys, going from one bad relationship to the next, Mm. to the next. And I graduated high school finally. And I decided to take a trip with a couple of my friends all through the South Pacific. I took my own little journey and we went to Fiji, Tonga, and then back to Hawaii, and I was on the boat for probably five and a half months. And it was a good trip for me, actually. But it was a very time for me to just party and that time of thing, too. But it was kind of a good time to get away. But when I came home, I found myself again looking for that man who was going to fill that void in my life. And I met my first husband, mm. which I thought, okay, I'm going to do it God's way and my father said, you know, you really should get married and not live with a person, and which I do believe as a Christian. So I thought, okay, so within only six months after meeting this person, we got married. And he was much older than me and had already been divorced and had a son from a previous marriage. And I really didn't know him at all because it was like we met and planned the wedding and got married, and that was it. And he was very abusive. And within a few years, we were divorced, too. Mm. So it was just on to the next bad relationship again. How does a woman who's had that kind of experience with boys and then men, Mm -hmm. how do you find a healthy relationship with a man? Well, I didn't for a long time. It continued to go on a downward path. And I wound up moving to Denver with the next guy, and I got into the whole fitness arena, and I started competing in these fitness contests, which were actually not very good. Not Um, a healthy environment. Not a healthy environment, because it's very, how you look is how you're judged, and it's a very perfectionistic type of arena, and very 
sexual and they want you to look a certain way. If you're going to get in the magazines, this is what you have to do and what you have to look like. So I wound up doing pretty well. I won a couple of the Hawaii competitions and Miss Fitness Colorado. But then I wound up doing pictures I wish I wouldn't have done. You know, they're in little bikinis and things that it just wasn't right. It definitely wasn't right. So I'm in these fitness competitions, and the the guy I was dating said, you know, you really should start working maybe at a gentleman's club because you'd make a lot of money there. Hmm. That was the really the lull. That's was the worst thing. So I wound up working at a gentleman's club for about a year. And I talk about just you meet the worst of the worst there. And it's really sad. Actually, you meet a lot of different people. A lot of married men are in there. A lot of guys just, you know, looking for a girl to talk to and stuff. And it just put even a worse taste in my mouth that just all men are just terrible. Mm. Sorry. (laughs) But it just really, I never want to get married. I said, I will never have children. I will never get married. And because this is what I see every day. And how old are you at this point? So this point, I was in my 20s, Mm. middle 20s. And God knew at that point that I probably couldn't take much more. And that's when I finally met my husband, my current husband. And what happened? What was special about that, that he wasn't just another one of them? I know. I think I was, yeah, I was at, like I said, the bottom. And I was trying to get out of the club. I kept trying to somehow quit. But the money is what really draws you back in. Because you just sit there and people pay you to talk to them, basically. And I was out with the girls one night, just going out to eat at a nice restaurant. And um, a couple guys came up to our table and said, hey, ladies, how are you? But my husband, Dan, came up and he asked the waitress if he could come over and talk to us. And I thought, oh, he's kind of polite. I thought that was nice. So I said, sure, he can come over when we're done. And we went over there, we started talking, and he said, oh, you want to go up to the mountains tomorrow? I'm going to go look at the leaves. It was um, September. And I said, okay, let's go for a ride. And that was the best first date. We drove up to the mountains. You're in the car with someone for six hours, and we talked the whole time. And he said, I want to get married. I want to have kids. I'm like, ah. (laughs) But that was Mm. great. At least I knew where he was coming from. Wow. And he was a Christian. He was going to church. And I'm like, Okay. <laughs> what did that feel like when he suggested that having kids would be in his plan? Did that make you feel, uh-oh? Yes. <laughs> at first I was like, oh, boy, well, we can talk about that later. But <laughs> at least he's a nice guy. He's going to church. And he was. I just knew there was something different about him. But just going to church at first was so hard for me. I would sit in service and just cry the whole two hours or whatever it was, because there was so much guilt. And you just, uh, I would pray, God, please take this feeling away from me. Please take this guilt away from me. But I didn't understand the whole healing process that, you know, people need to go through and grieving the loss of the abortion and stuff, Mm -hmm. my baby. And so there was a lot of different things that you have to be healed from. It's not just a one-time thing. Mm -hmm. And I think God brings up certain hurts and sins in your life that need to be healed as we progress in our relationship with him too? That's absolutely true. And your sanctification is a process. Mm-hmm. And it, once you become a Christian, hopefully you're improving in those areas mm-hmm. of your life that are in the closet, that are dark spots, that uh, don't please the Lord. That's the goal for the Christian. Right. As you read the prodigal story, for example, mm-hmm. as a woman, although mm-hmm. that is a, a young man in that <laughs> right. case, do you identify with that, what that young man mm. went through? He lived eventually in a pigsty, right. eating the things that pigs would eat, yet he was the son of a very wealthy man. 
How did you feel when you came into contact with that kind of a story that Jesus was telling? Well, that was that was a beautiful story, and the fact that no matter what, you know, your father, your heavenly father, will always be there for you. And I think I finally, going back to church, realized, you know what, God completely forgives me of everything I've done, and He's always there for me. So. Just now, looking back, you know, having been in that pigsty, having been with just the worst of the worst, but really, it was such a low, dark place, and now where I am today, it's just only by God's grace, definitely, Mm -hmm. that I'm here today. Uh, Jennifer, when you married Dan, Mm -hmm. um, and the topic of children came up again, (laughs) help us with the emotions of that. When you really started to talk to Dan about Mm -hmm. having children, given your background, you didn't want to be a mother, right? Because you didn't no. feel worthy. Well, after I had had the abortion, I said, I will never be a mom. I said, no way. I don't deserve children. I killed my first baby. I'm, you know, I don't deserve ever to have children. And Dan knew. He knew about my abortion and stuff, too. And um, our first year of marriage was so difficult. Why? Oh. Well, he has a lot from his past, too. So with his baggage and, and my truckload, it was really difficult. And we're both very hard-headed people and very set in our ways, I think. And marriage is hard just with, you know, having two great Christian people. But having tons of baggage in the past, I think it was really difficult. Mm. And we were both struggling with a lot of past issues. And it took years to go to counseling together and separately and, you know, we're still working on it after 11 years now. There's but you still made that things. commitment, yep. and you exactly. were serious about your marriage, obviously. Yes. You didn't want another failure, it exactly. sounds like. Exactly. We said we will never get divorced. He has come from a divorced family, and that he could see as a child what it did to him. And we said we will never get divorced. We will work it out. And when he brought up the subject of children again, it took us five years. So we were married five years before I even said, okay, you know. Mm. And it was more of a body issue thing for me, too, because I had been so into the fitness industry and everything was how you look. And I was scared that being pregnant was going to make me fat, which, you know, in my mind, now I know it's not. It's the most beautiful thing. It's the most beautiful gift from God. And I hope if there's any listeners out there that believe, you know, when you get pregnant, your body's going to be ruined or something, it's not... If you take care of yourself while you're pregnant and you eat healthy and you exercise, you will be just fine. It's mm. going to be different, no doubt about it. But that's okay. It's a good difference. Mm. Jennifer, a lot of women struggle with several of these issues again. Mm-hmm. As you uh, and your husband, Dan, worked on your marriage, uh, had children, mm-hmm. and now you've written the book, uh, Praying <laughs> Through Your Pregnancy, what prompted you to uh, put down your thoughts about your fears of being a mother and to help women understand the beauty of being a mom. What really changed for me is when I was pregnant. While I was pregnant, I had so much fear, uh, like I just said, of, of being pregnant, of getting fat, of just not knowing the unknown. I guess the first time you're pregnant, there's so many unknowns that happen. And I just started praying every single day, which I had never done really in my life. So every day... I would pray for my baby mostly, and it was like, oh, dear Lord, please don't let my child you know, go through my past. Mm. So I would pray for my child every day, and I would research as to what was developing in my baby. Mm. And I found out like in week five, your baby's heart begins beating. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. So then I would pray for my baby's heart, and I would pray, Lord, give him you know, a loving, caring heart. 
and also a, a strong heart, you know, a strong heart for you, God. And once my baby was born, there were some difficult times, but overall, God answered every single prayer. And I could really see that when he was two years old. But I thought, oh, my gosh, you heard me. And and God really said, Jennifer, you need to share this with other moms. Mm. Now, I'm not the writer of the family. My husband was. We've written health and fitness books and things together. So he was the writer, but God clearly told me, you need to do this. Jennifer, again, hearing your story, it feels like a tidal wave of emotion landed right on you. And here you find yourself uh, married, pregnant. The emotions you must have felt, whether you could do all of this, the doubt had to be overwhelming. How did you connect with God at that moment to where he reassured you that he was with you? You know, I really, there was so much stress and fear that I was feeling while I was pregnant. And I found this scripture, and it's First Peter 5, 7, and it says, cast all of your care upon him because he cares about you. And I would say that first, and I would pray it all the time, and I thought, God, I'm just going to give you all my fear and all my stress. And I encourage you out there to do the same thing. If you've had a miscarriage, maybe, and you're worried that, oh, gosh, I'm pregnant again, and I don't want to lose this baby, or you were like me, maybe you had an abortion, and you're just feeling that anxiety that I felt too. You know, just cast your fears to God because he will give you that peace that surpasses all understanding that you Mm -hmm. definitely need. Jennifer, with the heavy hearts that might Mm -hmm. be listening, um, those that have suffered, I love the scripture says that he is close to the brokenhearted Mm -hmm. and saves those crushed in spirit. You were crushed in spirit. Um, It seems appropriate that I would ask you to pray. Mm -hmm. Can you pray for the women who have suffered? Pray for their souls, for their well-being, and for their confidence in the one who will never let them down. Definitely. Thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, Lord. I ask that you lift up all these women and men out there, Lord, who have maybe been abused or just have some past hurt, God, that you just heal them right now. You touch them, Lord. With your blood, Lord, we pray that you wash them white as snow, cleanse them, God, and we pray that you, like it says in Psalm, that you are my hiding place and you protect me from trouble. Lord, I pray that you give them peace, Lord, that they just cast all their anxiety and their stress to you, Lord, and that you take it all away. We know that you bury all of our sins in the deepest part of the ocean, Lord, and we believe that, Jesus. Mm. So I just ask for healing for them and peace and joy, Lord. Thank you so much, God, for your grace and your mercy. Amen. 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 Uh, Jennifer Palomino, author of the book Praying Through Your Pregnancy, uh, you have come through a prodigal journey as a young girl and a teenager and a 20-something who had a broken marriage, yet God was always nearby. That's what's really impressive about your story, the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to remind you, if you do not know the Lord, if part of Jennifer's story is your story, call Focus on the Family. We have counselors to talk with you, to help you better understand what it means to become a Christian, to put your heart and your hand in that of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, Jennifer, you are living proof that God uh, never grows weary of being there for you. And I want to thank you for being here at Focus on the Family. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we really do appreciate the vulnerability with which you've shared today, Jennifer. And um, 
I think many girls and women who have listened along, who've been down that road, who uh, have shared those kinds of tragic circumstances like yours, will be helped in uh, realizing there is a pathway back to God. Our program today was provided by Focus on the Family. And on behalf of Focus President Jim Daly and the entire team here, thanks for listening in. I'm John Fuller. As I listened to Jennifer Palomino telling her story today, I could hear the pain in her voice as she related those terribly difficult events in her life. But it was also a story of hope because in the end, we've seen how God has worked in Jennifer's life and been able to use her testimony for his glory and the healing of others. You may have been listening to Jennifer sharing about her abortion and crying, even now as she remembers that day 30 years ago. And perhaps you've struggled with your own decision to abort. May I remind you that Focus on the Family's Counseling Department is here to help you and would count it a privilege to talk with you. Get in touch by phone on 31 716 3300 or visit safamily.co.za and click on the counseling link. Our recommended resource today is called Praying Through Your Pregnancy. Even before your baby was conceived, he or she was on God's calendar. The Heavenly Father has incredible plans for your child and it's never too early to begin praying for His power and protection over your precious baby's life. The book is a week-by-week guide for nurturing baby's spirit as he or she grows within your womb. Each chapter reveals what is happening with your child's development that week, starting with the very first moment of conception. Visit safamily.co.za or call us on 031-716-3300 to order. Thank you for listening in today. For Focus on the Family Africa, I'm Alison Schnell, inviting you to join us next time when we'll, as always, help you and your family thrive in Christ.